if you were writing your own religion, creating it from anew, if you wanted it to really last, you would have to be really, really foolish to write it in the manner that tells us that, well, you know what, every seven years, leave your land fallow, let it go to rack and ruin, but don't worry, because in the sixth year, you'll have enough food for the next three years, and then you'll be back on track by halfway through year eight. The reason you'd have to be foolish if you were making that up is because the maximum your religion would last, the maximum is maybe into the eighth year, halfway through, and there was this, nah, it's not, it's not happening. You can see the promise that's made, and this is just one of many, many such indications that the promise that's being made is being made by a higher power. And you'd think that seeing something like that would be enough to believe, but not believe in, I believe, as in a leap of faith, but as in understanding that we can see who's running the show. So why is it that we have such trouble? What, what is our problem? And I think that a lot of today's podcast deals with that idea. You see, it's Netzach Shabahoy, day 39. And it's Moshe within the realm of Yosef. Both of them, as we've said previously, had a lot in common. They were both orators in different ways. Moshe, although he had the speech impediment, was was placed Hashem's orator. Yosef, for sure, was Paro's spokesman. They were both in the Nile. One was placed in the Nile and then removed as a baby. One was placed and removed from the Nile after death. They both lived in the palace, as we've said. They were both kind of half Egyptian, but they remained with their clear identity as something we've spoken about before. And they both, as we've also said, helped get the nation free, which the Hanhogger of the day, unsurprisingly, is to help people on a, on a grander level to actually help realise their potential, to get people free from their own trials and tribulations, their own slaveries of the self, their own desires. You see, Moshe took the bones of Yosef with a tablet that said, Ale Shara, the, the story as we know, the Medrash tells us that he, that he, put a golden tablet on one side, Hashem's name, on the other it said, Ale Shur, come up ox, because Yosef is the ox compared to an ox for a number of reasons. And that sank down. At the Yamsuf, the Jewish people saw, this is my God, and I'll, be I'll beautify him after the Yamsuf had split, because it had seen the bones of Yosef, which Moshe had brought. And they saw a part of the throne, which we already described once before, which side of the throne, there were four sides to it. They saw the side, which was the agel, the calf, which also tells us a little bit about why it is that when they were looking for a replacement for Moshe, some kind of it's some kind of intermediary between them and God, which is what's really going on with the Egelazov, they chose the agel, which, of course, is reminiscent of Yosef. And of course, the very fact that a golden tablet, that golden tablet was thrown in with Ale Shur and a golden calf came out, the one which Moshe had thrown into the Nile, it becomes sort of ironically circular. At the same time, Moshe, when he realizes he's got Hashem's ear, he asks Hashem for explanations of various things. 
He wants to know why do good things happen to bad people? Why do good things happen to good people? Why do bad things happen to bad people? Why do bad things happen to ha- happen to good people? And Hashem said, there's a place with me. You've got to go above the natural order and then you'll understand there's rhyme and reason for everything. In fact, I just heard tonight that when Aaron was nifter, when Aaron just is just he's about to pass away, and there's a thick cloud between him and Moshe, and Moshe says to Aaron, "What do you see?" And eventually, eventually, Aaron says to him, "It's a different place over here. This place here, there are no more questions. Those questions, you have such clarity. You're in a different place. All those things which look so strange from a different angle, from the right angle." Everything's fine, like we spoke about the maze. You're in the middle of the maze, you're standing on a platform, and you can see it's no longer really a puzzle for you. That was the the, um, second time that Moshe, so to speak, was taken above the natural system. But says Aaron, if you're really behind the system, I wish you would have been here first, he says. It's a beautiful medrash. Even the question that Moshe had the first time he was taken above would have been answered, where he sees the great Rabbi Akiva, who had been the one who could expound her in ways that even Moshe himself didn't understand. Rabbi Akiva, who reached the 50th level, which Moshe didn't, he sees Rabbi Akiva's terrible death. And I started wondering about Rabbi Akiva, because he's called Akiva bin Yosef. And apart from obviously being an allusion to his father, there must be some kind of connection there. And I realised, yeah, for a start, they've both got the big merit of a Rochel in their life, the original Yosef, his mother Rochel, and with Rabbi Akiva, his wife Rochel. But apart from that, we know there were 10 martyrs, 10 people killed by the Romans. Nine of them, though, we, we know what, what, are they, what do they correspond to? They correspond to the sale of Yosef, the sale of Yosef. And they, their neshama somehow, their souls, is a kind of kaporan atonement. But hang on. There were only nine in the cell because Ruvain was at home, Yosef was in the pit, and Binyamin was at home as well. So who's the tenth? Interestingly enough, Chazal tell us that the tenth was Yosef himself, Keneged, corresponding to Yosef himself, because in some way he was the catalyst for all of it happening. Now, the interesting thing is that who is that tenth? Sage, the tenth one, is Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva was one of those horribly killed by the Romans for the death of, sorry, for the sale of Yosef. And says the Arizal, the incredible thing, when Yosef is telling the people, telling his brothers, you are responsible, whomsoever, with whomsoever the cup is found, he is the one who is guilty. Govia, he says, is actually an acronym of Gilgal Akiva ben Yosef, because he himself was a reincarnation of Yosef. Now, even more incredibly, there are others who say that 10th, the 10th martyr Rabbi Akiva, actually corresponds to Hashem himself. How, how could that be possible? Rabbi Akiva is the one when Shimon Ho'am Soni in the Gemara is, is expanding on every single S that's written in the Torah, but then he stopped when it came to Es Hashem you shall fear Hashem your God. How can S include anyone else in that case? Rabbi Akiva came along and said, no, it includes Talmidah Chachomim. Rabbi Akiva is the one who shows Talmidah Chachomim, the sages, have a certain fear and awe that we're meant to have above and beyond, so to speak, on a divine level. The Kinyan 
of the day, quite incredibly, is ma'amidoi ala ms, standing something by its truth. An omud is a pillar, a pillar of truth, the yisoid, a foundation of truth. This is something something which is true will be ongoing. It's nitzchi, it's netzach sheb yisoid. This is ms, which is in your face, as we've spoken already a number of times, the Kotzkarebu said MS had to be thrown down from heaven to allow human beings to be created. And here we get to it, something that's in your face, something called cognitive dissonance. If you have a new car and you see an advert for it, you start nodding your head and say, yeah, yeah, this advert's good. But if you see a rival product, you think you find excuses in your mind why it's not so great. And yeah, it's not as good as mine, etc., etc. Intelligence is no immunity. And when it comes to God, well, I don't know, is there a God? I, I'm not sure. I don't know with two meanings. It can either be ignorance or it could be the subconscious. I can't handle the truth. There's an incredible book written by Gershon Robinson and um, Mordechai Steinman called The Obvious Proof. And they bring the famous film 2001 A Space Odyssey and they talk about a perfectly rectangular 15-foot monolith that's found on a planet. And that's a proof in the film of intelligent design. There isn't a single person of the millions and millions of people who have seen that film who doubt that. It's a simple slab, but it's perfectly rectangular. It must have had an intelligent designer. This belies the fact that, that God is an invention of man. Because sometimes when we have something which is, I mean, this that's just a simple rectangular slab. And when it comes to it, we can't handle the fact sometimes that maybe there is a creator, maybe there is a higher power, which maybe gives me some kind of responsibility, which I don't want to have. Netzach Pshebisoid, Yosef and Moshe are these two heroes who show this in your face, that cognitive dissonance needs to be set aside in favour of the whole truth. <laughs>